0: are listening to a podcast from the National. Qatar breaks ranks as it says it will withdraw from the 15-member Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries on January the 1st. Surprising move? Quite possibly. Is it symbolic? Is it political? Is it economic? It's all these things. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from the National's newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. Let me take a moment to acknowledge the, the context of the politics surrounding uh, Qatar's decision to withdraw from OPEC. Um, June last year, uh, ties were severed with Doha by Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Bahrain and Egypt over its support of extremist groups in the region, its reckless and destabilising behaviour according to its neighbours. and this decision to withdraw from another grouping in which or to withdraw from a grouping sorry that in which Saudi and the UAE are members uh, would indicate it's isolating itself further perhaps. Certainly there when it comes to what Qatar is saying about its decision that it's a strategic move related to the fact that it's the world's largest exporter of LNG, which is gas cooled to liquid to be transported by ships. And it wants to advance that leadership position and feels it can do so better outside of OPEC is one way to look at it. However, we can't completely uh, take away the situation with its neighbours and also the fact that Qatar itself is looking to stand out to distance itself from other countries in the region for a number of factors. Um, And also there was a a, a not insignificant development last month where there was a cabinet reshuffle in Qatar. And actually Saad al-Katbi, who is currently the Minister of State for Energy Affairs, and and, and announced the move of, of leaving OPEC, is a month into his new role. He's also CEO of Qatar Petroleum, which controls all oil, oil, oil and gas production. Um, but he replaced Mohammed al Sada, who was the former Minister of Energy and Industry, so a different role. Um, and he was also former chairman of Qatar Petroleum, Mohammed al Sada. Now the man who's the chairman of Qatar Petroleum is the the brother of the emir. Um, and a- according to diplomats, um, th- these changes, which are, also coincided with a number of other um, executives from the echelons of of the Qatari corporate scene becoming ministers, was not a surprise and perhaps could have happened earlier if it wasn't for the actual wider political context with the rift with its neighbours. So maybe we have to acknowledge as well that there are some factors at play here that may have driven this move by um, Saad al-Kabi or reckless move or a, a one that, that makes a big statement about what how Qatar sees itself. Um, his first job out of the gate is to withdraw from OPEC. Now, markets were were reacting in the first 24 hours. What does this mean? A lot of speculation um but but also we have to ex- expect you know to beg the question um you know can it uh, advance its lead in LNG there are a lot of comp- comp- there's a lot of competition out there notably Australia that's one of the reasons why Carter had raised its ambitions after many years of not increasing production, had said it would by more than a third. And and there are competing and changing supply and demand dynamics for gas. A lot of countries are eyeing gas markets as where the growth would be rather than oil. And the US is a big producer of gas as well. And all of this plays into the fact that um, Qatar has decided that to move forward on that, that it needs to um, uh, take itself out of an organization that's been a member of um, for 57 years, which you know is not insignificant. And again, if we come back to the politics of it all, we see that Qatar, rather than being allied with its neighbors, would rather stand alone. And that seems to be the continuing problem for the region for its neighbours. Now, this is a good time to bring in uh, one of the National's regular contributors, who's also the CEO of Kamar Energy and the author of The Myth of the Oil Crisis, Robin Mills. Uh, good to talk to you. Um, obviously, there's been uh, you know a lot of factors at play politically and as well in gas markets.
1: Yes, you know, I think Saad al Qaabi, uh, who's the, been named as the new Minister for Energy Affairs and he's the Chief Executive of Qatar Petroleum, He's been known for making some big moves, and he was associated with a moratorium where where Qatar decided to stop developing its north field for several years, uh, and so to reach a a maximum of its liquefied natural gas capacity, not expand that anymore. Uh, He was then associated with the decision which came in early 2017, so just before the the boycott was imposed, um, to reverse that moratorium and, and start development again and expand Qatar's LNG capacity uh, and now of course he's just been appointed minister and he's going to attend his, his first and last OPEC meeting uh, um, shortly and um, uh, because of course you know uh, just as he's coming to office uh, Qatar's announced that it will be leaving uh, leaving OPEC and, I, and again I'm sure he's very much behind that decision. Uh, as you alluded to I think you know uh, there are certainly the decision on leaving OPEC has, has been driven by political factors but the LNG strategy has been really driven by the market. Um, Qatar saw that it, uh, it had had the long term for several years. The, the LNG market was quite oversupplied. Prices were low. And then the market was starting to turn around in 2017. Chinese demand was going very well. Prices were rising and people were seeing a gap in the market that would emerge in the early 2020s because there were there was new demand coming but, but no new projects. Um, and Qatar also kind of saw that it was potentially going to lose ground so Australia and the US, which which are, which are both launching a, a lot of new projects that are going to be going to be coming in, particularly the US ones into the early 2020s, um, so Qatar saw that they had to maintain the market share, There's an attractive opportunity, uh, and and they wanted, if they could, I think, to, to at least deter some of the high-cost projects and, and, and stop them reaching um, reaching investment decision in, in other countries um, by expanding their own capacity. So, so the market stars were all aligned for that soon.
0: I mean having having said all this about their strategy about their ambitions in terms of, of Lng um and 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 to echo sort of the UAE minister of Foreign Affairs Anwar gagash who who tweeted that he he wasn't sure about the economic um reasons behind this decision to withdraw from OPEC one thing I need to understand and, and perhaps you can give me some, your insight is staying within OPEC and its quotas and its plans and its strategies which clearly Qatar being only the 11th largest producer in in the group has less Sway than the bigger producers like Saudi or the UAE or even allied non members like Russia on plans for production. How does that impact gas production? Are you binded by quotas as a gas producer that are set by OPEC?
1: No, and, and OPEC has never, never touched gas. Um, so, in this announcement, when, when they explain their reasons, Qatar kind of explained the rationale they wanted to focus on gas production. Um, now, if they mean you know focus in that that's their main thing and they don't want to be distracted by 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 oil and by all the OPEC issues, you know, okay, that that's that's a kind of an explanation. Um, but just being an OPEC itself doesn't bind them to anything. Um, OPEC quotas only apply to crude oil, um, not not to the gas and associated products. And um, and uh, and of course, Qatar's the, the world's biggest energy exporter, but there are other major gas producers within. Uh, within OPEC that you know that have not had any serious constraints on their ability to develop that from from being in OPEC um so i think it's more of a a political move and it, it's partly i think because qatar it feels that OPEC is is dominated these days by saudi arabia and and even that the major decisions are taken outside OPEC uh that really because of this o, this uh, saudi russia cooperation we saw that at the g20 you know it seems that the the key decision was was taken there between Vladimir Putin and uh, uh, and, uh, and the Saudi leadership, and then uh, and only then is that decision kind of communicated to OPEC for the for the other countries to agree. And I think that was the um, that was the feeling. And Qatar produces two percent of OPEC oil; it's not a big player. It doesn't have too much influence on the, on the group's decisions.
0: Uh, in your piece uh, that you wrote for us uh, today in the national um, you know after the news thank you for that um you do you do mention that there was there's sort of a political bonus if you like um that Qatar could be seeking to gain which is that OPEC um it has a bit of a a, a, a bad reputation in the US i guess left over from the oil shocks of the 70s um and uh, at the moment uh, congress is lining up OPEC potentially in its in its its crosshairs, and certainly Donald Trump likes to to tweet out stuff about OPEC's influence on oil markets and cheap gas prices, as they say. So, um, you know, you're saying that by standing apart, there's there's a PR exercise being done here at the moment uh, by Qatar.
1: Yeah, I think you know whether that was their intention or not. I think that's that's part of the effects that. uh as you say, OPEC's had a bad reputation in, in the US since the 70s, but, but particularly Donald Trump has been pretty actively tweeting against it, complaining that prices are too high, that OPEC is driving them up, and, and then the is maybe can stand aside from that by, by pulling out of the organisation. Um, so perhaps there is a, you know, there's something of a PR benefit to them uh, for, for doing that.
0: And coming back to economics, um, the, uh, there's been a lot of movement in, in gas uh, in the, in the Gulf region. So Qatar, way out there, is number one. Oman, number two. Abu Dhabi, number three, in terms of LNG. But there's been a lot of uh, noise and plans and and motion, uh, particularly in Abu Dhabi and, and and certainly in Saudi. Even Bahrain is getting in on the act. Um, you know, we're talking about uh, shale, uh, tight. Uh, oil and gas, um, fracking. Um, is there any is there any sense that while they've been looking to to make sure that you know the outside the region, Australia doesn't uh, impact on Qatar's hegemony? Could they also be worried about uh, Gulf neighbours? Is there any chance that gap could be closed in the near future?
1: I think Qatar's position and what it's trying to do in gas is very different from its neighbours. You know, Qatar has, has a unique resource which it shares with Iran, the, the North Field the world's biggest gas field. It's very very low cost to produce. Um, it's an enormous resource. And so the Qataris from the 90s started on developing that for, for liquefied natural gas exports, uh, mostly to Asia and, and also to, to Europe. Um, and, and that's been been the foundation of most of their wealth because, as, as we as we said, they're not a big oil producer. Um, so that's, that's a very different case from, I think, if you look at their neighbours. Uh, if you look at Oman, the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, those are countries that have a lot of gas resources as well, but that their new gas resources are more difficult and more technically challenging, uh, higher cost to produce. Um, but but if, particularly if you look at the case of Saudi Arabia and the UAE, they're also countries with much more developed domestic economies, a lot of industry, um, so there's a lot of need for gas to be used domestically and, and there's a lot of value to be generated from that. Um, so really that's the primary task for, for, for those countries is to use their gas to drive the domestic economy. Um, yes, as you say, Oman and Abu Dhabi do export uh, some LNG, but but not on the scale that what Qatar does. Yeah, that may expand. You know, there, there's been some talk about developing more gas for export, but I think it'll be primarily a game of of driving the domestic economy and, and exporting the gas if it is in, in forms of other products like petrochemicals, uh, which which offers the as they see the value add. And then the other angle on that is developing an international gas business, which is not based on domestic resources. Um, so you've seen Sa- Saudi Aramco talking to the Russians about investing in an LNG project in, in the Arctic. Um, and, uh, you know, I think you can imagine you'd see the other Gulf countries also coming into international gas ventures, um, you know, whether that's in Asia or the U.S. Or, or elsewhere, and developing an international gas business in the same way that a, a Shell or an Exxon Mobil has as an international company
0: uh Mr Qabi said yesterday that they're not getting out of the oil business um as a result of this um they also said that that Qatar will make a will make a big splash In the oil and gas business, Um, and 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 so you know the idea of there's some symbolism behind the move to withdraw from OPEC, Um, whatever economics at play perhaps have been ongoing for a while, even even before um, uh, political ramifications came into it. But also you you kind of sense that that, you know gas really is the up and coming um, battleground, if you like, um, for producers going forward. Certainly the there is a lot of um, bullishness about the outlook both for supply and demand. but also you you kind of see this huge north field and it's partly been i, I guess you know it, it's shared it with Iran for so long and now that Qatar and Iran have been moving closer in the last um 18 months as well um there, there, there may be a more natural alignment uh, perhaps not formal like OPEC is but maybe a more natural alignment with 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 these gas exporters in terms of what they can do with the market and to stand apart from OPEC and oil
1: yeah to to an extent i think though you know, I mean, every oil and gas exporter is in a bit of a different position because some of them, are, some of them are really big gas exporters with a bit of oil, and some of them are big oil exporters with a bit of gas, and, and somewhere, somewhere in the middle. I mean, if you look at Iran, Iran is is um, the world's third biggest gas producer uh, and and uh, the fourth biggest market. So it's a huge producer, but nearly all of that gas is consumed domestically. It, it exports a little bit to Turkey and Iraq, but basically uses it domestically so although it actually produces more gas than qatar it's not it's not a real big player in the global uh, gas business so you know that puts it in, in quite a quite a different strategic position even though it's sharing the same resource and i think since the boycott yes you've seen some cooperation between iran and qatar um particularly on kind of, sort of supplies and imports into the country um but you've also seen qatar cooperating quite closely with turkey which is a significant customer for its it's LNG and looking to the Turks for political support, um, so that a lot of these alliances, you know, go beyond uh, just alliances between energy producers or or exporters.
0: Uh, flipping around to OPEC itself. Um it's lost a member now, not the first time, probably not the last time, but the first Middle Eastern country to leave OPEC and and the the first country to join OPEC after the original founders. Um so th- there's a lot of symbolism and as they move to an important um period where they're trying to work out if they're gonna keep this OPEC so called OPEC plus grouping with Russia and other non member producers and, and and keeps you know oil prices stable as they have done successfully over the last uh, year or so, um, th- this move is is, is not going to send the message of a united grouping, is it?
1: No, it doesn't. I mean, I guess it's it's not kind of good move music just ahead of the OPEC meeting. But it's it is as we've said a relatively small producer leaving. OPEC has uh, the past few years had a fair bit of coming and going, uh, and probably more more coming than going. I mean, it's recently added Gabon, which was a member and then left and then came back. Um, it had, and then it picked up. Uh, it picked up Angola, which is a new member a few years back, and then picked up uh, in the past couple of years Equatorial Guinea and, and Congo, which were entirely new members. And I mean, none, none of them apart from Angola, none of them really very big producers, um, but, but still adding, adding a few members. Um, so, yes, you know, members do come and go, but it's interesting, as you said, Qatar was the first Middle Eastern country to, to leave the organization. Um, I think if you look at the others, so if you look at Kuwait, UAE, Saudi, um, you know, they are absolutely core members uh, and Kuwait and Saudi are founder members uh, they're absolutely core members of, of OPEC and if, if you look outside the GCC to Iran and Iraq as well also founder members uh, I, I think it would be extremely surprising if you saw any of those leaving they all see value in still being in the organisation you know, even, uh, even if sometimes they disagree on, on what it should be doing
0: I mean, they've been there. have been times when members within OPEC have been in odds with each other. Most recently, though, it's probably most fractious at the end of 2015, amid falling oil prices, amid a lot of. Political uh, tension in the region. The, the, people feared for OPEC. I mean, uh, the 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 CNBC um, uh, the, the guy Jim Cramer. Um, he he's he said, "Oh, you know, OPEC's about to dissolve." Was one of his. You know, he, he tends to make these kind of statements. Um, but then, then OPEC rallied and kind of got themselves together and acted. And and then, uh, not only did they act together in concert to. <laughs> To stem uh, the sort of falling oil prices and, and help them recover, but they also managed to come up with this cooperation deal with Russia and other non-member producers, which you know seemed quite momentous at the time. Um, and I wonder if if that, to a certain extent, has come back to to haunt them a little bit. Where, as you said, where the optics are that the two or three nations are making the decisions on oil markets, then it, it kind of seems like well, this isn't really a multilateral organization. Uh, as as it as it promised to be um at its peak in the last two years with a lot of you know cooperation but it's becoming something else now and and I wonder if OPEC has to kind of take a pause and look in the mirror and say what do we want to be do we want to be a super group do we want to go back to where we were do we want to be something else i mean certainly there's been suggestions that all OPEC should be is really a ceremonial organisation
1: well OPEC's been through several incarnations since it was founded back in the 60s originally the aim was to get control of each country's industry from the international oil companies that had had almost complete control of it, um, and and to win control of, of, of the oil fields and particularly of taxation, um, and then uh, to nationalise most of the industry in most OPEC countries. That was the initial aim. Um, then OPEC got into trying to set the oil price, and then in in the eighties, OPEC got into setting quotas for production to try and limit overproduction. Um, so. You know, people think of OPEC as, as, a, as a cartel, and there's a, it's a, always been a debate whether it is or it isn't. Um, but it certainly wasn't a cartel to, to begin with, at least, even if it later became one. So, you know, OPEC has had several different incarnations. I think the latest one is interesting because of bringing in the, the non-OPEC countries, and it's really an alliance with Russia. Uh, this one, and you could say perhaps Oman. There's lots of other non-OPEC countries in the deal, um, but they're uh, they're not that big. They're either not that big producers or they're not particularly um, a- able to uh, to increase production. So it doesn't really matter whether in the deal or not, their production is in, like a place like Mexico, its production is declining anyway. Um, so, so this is kind of non-OPEC deal is really about Russia primarily. And Russia's obviously a big political power in all kinds of ways beyond the oil market, which I think is what makes the cooperation so significant. Um, and I think that perhaps leads us to an OPEC, which is is more of a, a little bit less rigid than it used to be, a more of an amorphous organisation where members perhaps come and go, um, alliances with Russia and, and perhaps other non opec countries come and go and, and evolve in different ways, um, so I think we, we could see that the, uh, the organisation kind of going in, in those lines, um, and the organisation is going to face new challenges, at the moment of course it's been facing recent, in recent years traditional challenges of low oil prices and and how does it deal with that and you know, cutting production. Um, but of course, that's driven by primarily by US shale, which is, is a new factor in the market. And in future, it'll be dealing with issues like climate change and like pressures on oil demand from electric vehicles and, and so on um, that will challenge its mission again. So I think there's always a, a, a call for an organization like OPEC. That doesn't mean that it always has to be dealing with that by, by increasing production or cutting production. There are um, There may be other forms of cooperation that it will have to evolve.
0: Robin Mills, CEO of Kumara Energy and a regular contributor to the National. You can find his columns and his pieces at the national.ae, of course. Uh, thanks so much for your time today and we'll speak to you again soon. Sure, thank you. So, ultimately, many factors at play in terms of Qatar's decision to leave OPEC. The one overriding factor for me, looking at this now, is that energy has been dragged into the arena where politics, this dispute between Doha and its neighbours, that has been relatively untouched in the last year and a half. Um, But it seems to me that that's a new arena in which Qatar will be pushing itself towards, seeking to gain greater influence via its gas hegemony, but also not wanting to be part of the collective when it comes to OPEC, one of 15, but rather on its own, and what that could result in, in terms of the actions it now takes um, in in energy markets, making that big splash, as they said they would, and the, the knock-on effect for this region, politically, economically, uh, symbolically, of course, uh, but perhaps not necessarily a bullish factor for everyone looking at this region, perhaps maybe another bearish element. Uh, there'll be more to come no doubt as we as as we see the next few weeks and months unfold um, but please do join us again next time this has been an episode of the business extra podcast uh, before i go allow me to tell you about our other programs, including Beyond the Headlines, which takes a deeper dive into the biggest news from the week with a distinct Middle Eastern point of view, and The Cricket Pod, where our experts shine a spotlight on the gentleman's game. Subscribe to both those shows as well as this one on Apple Podcasts or your favourite platform. Uh, Let me thank our producer Kevin Jeffers, and once again, do join us again next time.